0: Hello, and welcome to the Modern Retail Podcast. I'm Kale Guthrie-Weissman, the editor of Modern Retail. This week, we're bringing you a live interview we did with Sarah Pai-Giu, the co-founder and CEO of Blueland. To learn more about Modern Retail's live events, go to modernretail.co slash events. That's modernretail.co slash events. But until then, here's Sarah. How are you doing, Sarah?
1: I'm good. How are you doing, Kale? I'm excited to be on. Thanks so
0: much for joining us. So... I mean, I know, I know what Blue Land is. I've, I've actually used your products; they're great products. But for those who don't, why don't you just give sort of the the background story about you know what Blue Land is, uh, the current lineup, uh, what, and I'd love to hear just sort of what the the first hero products were uh, with your first cleaning products.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, Blue Land. Uh, has been live for a little over a year now. And, you know, we are on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic packaging. And we're starting with eco-friendly cleaning products. Um, our first set of products that we launched last year uh, were actually a set of cleaning sprays and liquid hand soap, both of which are traditionally predominantly water, like over 90% water. So oftentimes consumers are paying really for a new plastic bottle and water, which we already have at home. And so we really reimagined these solutions um, and shrink them down actually to these tiny dry tablets um, about the size of a quarter. And by making them dry, we also were able to wrap them in a compostable paper-based packaging instead of a plastic bottle. And we sell our products as a refillable system. Um, so you start with buying one of our beautiful, durable, reusable cleaning bottles, um, and you never have to buy or throw away another cleaning bottle or vessel again. And when you need more product, you simply you know, fill up one of our bottles with warm water, you drop in a tablet, and at the end of that, you have a full bottle of cleaning solution, like multi-surface cleaner, bathroom cleaner, glass cleaner, uh, or a full bottle of hand soap. Um, and so, yeah, those are the first products we launched. And just recently in the past two months, we've launched two additional categories of products, Um, dish. So we launched a countertop dish soap. Um, It's actually a powder dish soap instead of a liquid dish soap, but it actually works quite similarly um, to your liquid dish soap. You just sprinkle some powder onto a sponge, you add water and you get that nice rich foam. And we then launched um, dishwasher tablets and laundry tablets. And, you know, those products are like truly I feel like my baby i'm so excited about them they are like over three years in the making and i think you know a lot of consumers don't realize that you know the laundry packs or pods that are on the market you know the single dose um products on the market that film that surrounds those packs it's actually plastic um and so when you throw one in your oh. wash or in your laundry yeah people don't i think people think that because it dissolves that it just like magically disappears um, but unfortunately, those plastic molecules then enter our water systems, and so um, we've, you know, commissioned a whole study around understanding that and really analyzing how much plastic from these thirty billion estimated thirty billion, you know, plastic packs are entering our oceans and our waterways each year. Um, but with that, we also release our naked laundry and dishwasher tablets, which are the only sort of plastic-free single-dose options on, on the market. Wow.
0: One question I've always wanted to ask you, uh, ever since I uh, ever since I was introduced to your product uh, uh, more than six months ago, I forget when. Um, but anyway, uh, w- why do you think the big CPG players never tried to put their products in tablet form? It seem, uh, it just seems like you know it's extra expenses on there. Is it just sort of the paradigm of how things were created? What? Why have they not done that?
1: Yeah, I mean it's interesting because if you think about you know my hypothesis, if you think about traditional CPG. Um, You know, they still today are, you know, predominantly distributed through traditional brick and mortar retailers. And, you know, it's a very Mm -hmm. different game where, you know, on shelf size does matter, Um, you know, front facing real estate also really matters. And so in a way, I think, you know, a lot of the existing CPG players were incentivized to have larger bulkier packaging um, because this packaging really served as billboards in stores and so to that end um i think it made sense to you know produce more liquid products you know a tiny tablet on retail shelf it's it's really hard to even you know fit the messaging of like how to use this product much less ingredients and everything else you want to cram in there and so you know i really do think that you know these products have historically been developed um, for the channels that they've been sold in
0: Absolutely. So let's, that leads perfectly into sort of your DTC model that you, that you guys have followed. And then, so talk just sort of about what was the launch plan over the last year with how you approached it. And then I want to get into specifically with coronavirus beginning February, March, what, like how, what happened to the business? I am, ima- I imagine that more people were buying online. So you might, did you see a bump Just sort of go into this, like what dynamics you saw over the last few months, at, but start before. <laughs>
1: Sure, 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 sure. So, um, so Blueland has been direct to consumer, has been a direct to consumer first brand, you know, since since inception. Um, You know, we always knew we wanted a direct relationship with the customer and that that line of communication and feedback with the customer um, was really valuable, especially given that we were not only putting out there a brand new brand, uh, but also just a brand new form. I mean, we don't hide from the fact that this is a new behavior, and there is education required. And it was going to be a lot easier to do that on our own site and our own real estate to be able to get all of that messaging across versus having products, you know, quiet products on a retail store shelf where we couldn't really, you know, control exactly what messaging we put out there and certainly not the volume of messaging. And so, um, you know, that was always important to us from the beginning. That continues to be really valuable to us, especially as we continue to launch new products and to be able to get that feedback on these new products. And interestingly, you know, during COVID, you know, that direct relationship has translated into a continuous and valuable customer feedback loop um, at a time when our customer priorities were actually rapidly And dramatically shifting the customer's priorities. Um, So, you know, consumers that previously, you know, very staunchly prioritized non toxic um, and eco were suddenly very open to making, you know, that trading these benefits for disinfectant claims. You know, and so it was very helpful to understand Mm -hmm. what concerns and questions our customers had. And unlike physical products sold in physical stores, you know, we could easily update our website descriptions, our emails, our social media messaging to more directly address um, these concerns. And, you know, of course, you know, this was also really helpful during the pandemic when, you know, many people didn't want to venture out into physical retail stores. And, you know, there's certainly been a massive shift in this category to online um, that has certainly accelerated the adoption um, of a category where historically people prefer to just pick it up in their routine weekly or bi-weekly grocery store run.
0: Yeah, I imagine you're kind of in this kind of perfect sweet spot for like the coronavirus economy, where it's you're both a cleaning product and you're online only. And that's like truly the only thing people were looking for, or, you know, like that and toilet paper, maybe. But like, you know, yeah, um, yeah. So,
1: it's uh, very interesting. <laughs>
0: What, can you talk, because you'd launched, just launched these two new products, were those all always in the roadmap? You you, you mentioned the data that you, you get from customers about what they want and how you have put that into different permutations of products. Sort of, was there direct feedback that then went into your new product line or sort of what did, what feedback did you learn during the initial days of uh, COVID that led to sort of how you tweaked what you were, what you were doing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, I, I would I would like to say that we're that fast and could have reacted to that, um <laughs> rapidly to be like, oh my God, people are home and cooking more and doing more laundry, let's launch a laundry and dish product. Uh, but unfortunately our development cycles are just are so long um, that that you know both our dish categories and our laundry categories were kind of in development um for, for over two years. But certainly when COVID hit, we were like, oh my god, this product um you know there really is a need for this product, you know especially at this moment, um, and so that definitely increased our sense of urgency. But you know there were products that that were under development for some quite some time, and we've all we've always had our eye, out, especially on laundry. It is the largest category in cleaning, and so you know I've always viewed it as you know one of the biggest ways that we can make an impact on the planet. Um, And it was just, it was just interesting journey. I mean, we we started a couple of years ago and as we were exploring form factors, um, we were just shocked to hear, you know, so many insider, um, industry insiders say that they didn't think that, you know, the plastic film on these pods or packs were actually biodegrading in real end of life scenarios. Um, And so that, you know, definitely took us on a detour um, to commission a full study and really understand that problem while we were also, you developing these new products. But I think certainly, you know, the COVID environment has, you know, shifted, um, you know, a lot of our marketing messaging and go-to-market strategies to really adapt to um, the current environment. And again, um, you know, the things that are, are top of mind for, for our consumers.
0: Can you, can you go into a little bit about that? So like what, how did you sort of tweak your marketing or even like website design? Did you find that you had an entirely new audience of people who were just sort of online searching for cleaning products? Was it just a bigger pool of the same sort of, w- w- what did you observe?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so definitely, especially because we were a newer brand, um, you know, this, this, this new consumer that we were attracting um, during COVID was very different from the consumer that we were attracting um, in the first few months um, of our existence where, you know, very early on, Um, you know, we had very strong support um, from the environmentalists and, you know, all the people that had really good intentions to proactively make lifestyle changes, um, to make better choices for the environment. And, you know, during the COVID period, we had, you know, people coming to us for a wide variety of reasons. You know, some were simply, again, looking to avoid going into a store and looking for brands that they could purchase online. You know, others, were, you know, very also just staunchly conventional brand purchasers, but couldn't find those conventional disinfecting brands in their local physical stores or even on Amazon and thus were coming to us. And so, and and yet we also continue to have, um, you know, a large set of consumers that were coming to us because they want to eliminate single use plastic from their lives. And so uh, I think definitely, you know, balancing the messaging across all of those and just making sure that we were you know, providing um, appropriate responses, enough information um, was a balancing act. But I think, you know, what was a common thread across all of these consumers was that you know everyone was in this period just thinking more critically about these products, you know, historically pleading products, it's actually a very low interest category. Um, you know, there's a lot of switching from brand to brand, channel to channel. People don't, you know, spend that much time thinking about that purchase, but, you know, now, People, you know, all consumer groups were thinking about, you know, are these products um, safe for my family? How much do these products cost? Because I'm using so much of these products. And I'm washing my hands like like 10 times a day for like three times longer than I was before. Um, and, you know, how do I best use these products? You know, are these products effective? Are non toxic cleaning products effective? So, um, yeah, very similar questions still uh, across the range of, of audiences that we were trying to address.
0: You mentioned that you know one of the one of the reasons why a lot of the incumbent brands have such big bottles is because it's really or it's very hard to explain, you know, with just a little tablet exactly how how a product like Blueland works. So, did you, with so many more people seeking it out, did you tweak the education process? Sort of, I, I mean, what, how did you go about that, or was it just sort of people understood and you and you re, you highlighted wherever was important? when you had to.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's been a, a continuous sort of learning cycle. You know, we, we certainly did a lot of user testing and UX testing prior to launch. Um, and it's something that we revisit quarterly. We're actually undergoing it right now with this set of um, 40 consumers that, that, that aren't familiar with the brand, because, you know, not only is there the education piece um, for existing products as we layer in new products, um, the how to use and the education and the story behind them um, also may, may change or be different. So, for example, you know, fill, drop, clean like that. Those are the lines I usually went to for the cleaning sprays and the hand soaps like those don't apply to our dish um, soaps and our, our mm-hmm. laundry. And there's a whole different story there, whether it's around the plastic film Um, You know, our dish powder, you just use the powder straight onto the sponge. You know, you don't mix the powder with water, you know, to create, you know, a a larger liquid solution. And so, um, you know, certainly our expansion into different products has has, certainly bred, you know, some amount of complexity. And it's something that, you know, we're we're, constantly navigating. But the the beauty of, um, again, direct to consumer is that you don't have to get it exactly right the first time, you know, you're not committing mm-hmm. to you know, producing, you know, tens of thousands of these enrolling rolling crafts, like thousands of, of stores, um, you know, we can, we can A-B test, we can do testing, we can, we can kind of tweak, tweak as we go.
0: I feel like a lot of brands, especially those that weren't, you know, predominantly online before faced a lot of hiccups in terms of supply chain, be it with fulfillment or even with like sourcing their products as soon as stay at home orders hit. What did you experience any of that? How did you sort of deal with the sort of issues of a lot everyone going online, everyone trying to get things delivered, factories shutting down? Was that anything that, that you had to deal with? And if so, how?
1: Yeah, yeah, so we dealt with all of that, um, <laughs> and it was it was interesting because it was in a backdrop where all of a sudden we saw this like incredible surge in demand that we also hadn't expected, and then on top of that we were having you know operational issues, slowdowns, um, delays, and. And ultimately, you know, our priority of making sure that we were keeping our our team safe as well. And so, you know, despite the increase in demand, um, you know, we had to actually counterintuitively slow things down on the operations side. So, for example, in our warehouses, we instituted split shifts, uh, which are still sort of in place today because we want to make sure that, um, again, we were keeping people safe through this period. Um, You know, we had... You know, uh, our, our, our main bottle manufacturer shut down on us for for a couple of weeks. Um, and then again, everything at our tablet manufacturers also slowed down because, you know, even there they were trying to distance, you know, split their shifts, et cetera. Um, and so and, you know, at the same time, we want to make sure that we were keeping our customers, you know, happy and satisfied. Um, interestingly, like prior to COVID, um, you know, people understandably, actually, people were a lot more. Um, open to shipping delays, right? Like if you sent out a slow to ship email and something was a week late or two weeks late, they're like, okay, like, you know, it's cleaning supplies. I'll, I'll be okay. I have some, you know, amount remaining, but understandably in, in light of COVID, like people wanted to, like some people needed to get their hands on like some of these products, like ASAP. And so, you know, just keeping that in mind and, um, you know, we, we definitely um, turned off some of our marketing channels for a good period of time during the height of COVID, because we certainly didn't want to be attracting, you know, more demand that we could handle. We want to, you know, keep our service level high and we made sure that, you know, we could be shipping to people, you know, with ideally a one week delay max.
0: How did, so talk a little bit about that. So you, you shut off when, you know, demand was, was going through the roof. How, how have you sort of tweaked your, your overall marketing schema? Uh, did you, I mean, I, I imagine that the dynamics completely shifted both in like costs, but also in terms of what people were searching, how did you sort of navigate that given that I don't know, there was a, I don't know if confusion is the right word, but there was a mad dash for people seeking out specifically cleaning and, you know, those kinds of products.
1: Yeah. 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 I think the nice thing about being, you know, direct to consumer and, and relying also on, you know, marketing channels that are, are pretty real time and flexible, you know, like Facebook, uh, like Google, um, is that you know our, our processes on RSI didn't change very much it was just really the messaging. you know i think from the marketing perspective we're, we're always constantly iterating and testing new things um every week and and really you know letting the data lead us there and so you know while we were testing messaging that that we wouldn't have otherwise you know tested if it weren't for this period of time like instructions on like how to wash your hands you know following the world health organization guidelines etc um I think the process for us still, you know, remained um, pretty similar to what we had in, in, in place beforehand. Um, same thing with, you know, the A-B testing and, and the UX testing that that we were doing on the flight side.
0: Interesting. And did you, uh, how has it seems like this hasn't, or correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like this hasn't really altered your, your, your growth plans, given that you've just launched two new categories. Like how has this altered the way that you've thought about, you know, it launches into other categories. Are you changing how you approach online? Where are you, you know, how are, do you think that you're just going to be DTC only forever? Sort of how, how are you approaching all, all of those sort of looks towards growth down the line?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, I, I don't. I don't think it has. Um, I think you know we always planned on launching new categories, but we always planned also on just making sure that we were focused and you know seeing each product category and opportunity through. Um, so you know, a balance of not being too fast, but, but not being too slow. And I think um, our product development cycle, you know, really constrains us from honestly moving too too fast because there's just like you know so many tests and approvals and everything that, that that we have to to get to to ensure, you know, the quality standards that, that we've put in, in place. I think, um, you know, it certainly had us um, double down on direct-to-consumer this year, which is probably the right decision, like COVID or, or not. I think, you know, as a founder, you get started, you're so excited, you have big ambitions, you want to take over the world. We are like, and it, from the beginning, we always knew that we wanted to also be, in traditional brick and mortar like you, for these categories if again you want to re- if you really want to maximize your reach like you know at least pre-COVID 80% of consumers want to buy these products in traditional retailers and so we would be really limiting ourselves by not having that as, as part of our ultimate roadmap um, but it definitely sort of took that you know urgency off the table this year you know as you know store traffic you know really slowed down as we saw such a surge um online that to really you know redouble our focus on on our site um just because you know that that channel certainly has seen probably 300 you know more demand than than we were projecting um for this year wow so, uh, a lot of opportunity but also you know a, a lot of work <laughs> to do still there
0: wow yeah that's wild well uh Sarah, this has been such a great conversation. I'm so glad you were able to join us. I really learned so much. I appreciate you joining. No,
1: thanks for having me, Kale. This
0: is fun. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. Our producer is Pierre Biename, who also produced our theme music. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and head to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and a rating. See you next week.